welcome to the Hometown Headlines podcast. This is John Ruckermiller with you, thanking you for joining us. We are coming to you from the studios of Brand Red Studios over on Bale Street in downtown Rome. We thank you for joining us today. Joining us today is a familiar guest from other venues. We don't use that R word anymore. From other venues, that venue would be the Floyd County Extension Office. You know him as, I guess we call you a county agent. Mr. Keith Michael. Secret secret agent. Secret agent. Or, or special agent. 007. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure which one you want to call me. Just just call me. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Just call me. And everybody does. Good morning. They, they do. Uh, good morning to you. And I have, gosh, I have been back from a week of vacation, and now I'm paying for it. And you know what that means. You're digging out. And the phone and phone calls and emails and that kind of stuff, my wife kind of got on me a little bit about She said, are you over there working? I'm like, no, I'm not working. I'm deleting junk mail so I don't have to read through all them when I get back from vacation. Isn't that fun? You do and that. And so I, I, I eliminated a lot of emails that really had no – they truly were. They were just junk emails. I mean, they required no answer. They required no reading. It was just stuff – you know, that stuff you get. And I yep. got it, and I got rid of it. So I've been digging out for the past two days. Well, so, in your line of work, we call that weeding, I guess. Uh, well, you're, that's, you're, that's a great line. I was weeding my inbox. There we go. Well, you got that so done. A great, great terminology there. Indeed. Well, glad to have you back. You've been down in uh, St. Augustine, Florida, which I, I believe has uh, some Michler connections. They do. There is. Uh, my son loves to take friends with him to go, hey, I'm going to take you to my beach because there's Michler Beach Landing that's uh, in in the southern part of, Pon- or, of Potom Vedra. There's a little sandwich shop called the Sandwich Man Sandwich Shop, and they have the Michler Wet Burrito. And wet then there's burrito. wet burrito. Okay, they put you. stuff over it. Then there is the Michler Causeway, and that is the bridge that on Highway 207 that goes over. I think it's the Matanza. I mm-hmm. believe that's the one Matanza's that goes over. Pass, yeah. And then there is Michler Road in St. Augustine. So my son likes to take folks down and friends and say, "Hey, I've got my own beach," and they don't believe him till they see it. I'm sure there right now our podcast listeners are asking themselves, "Well, if your name's all over St. Augustine." Why are you in Rome, Georgia? Good question. But who knows? <laughs> because you love us and you want to be here. Well, uh, everybody everybody deserves here. a job somewhere. Exactly. We're glad to have you, and you do a fantastic job of what you do. Uh, in fact, we're going to go back a little bit of history here. Back in, again, another venue. Yeah, that radio thing. Uh, we talked a couple years ago during uh, – we had an excessive heat wave come across Oh, yeah. Our community. Was that 2016? I think so. Uh-huh. And you told me at the time – about we're talking about trees and plants, all the good stuff, all the things Keith knows so much about. And you said you watch in two, three, four years how much dies. Uh huh. I'm here to tell you, I'm keeping uh-huh. a tree man very busy this uh-huh. summer, bringing down trees that are not falling down. If they are falling down, he's taking a rest amount. But I mean, I am just been stunned to see the amount of vegetation we lost in that last drought. Here we are today. Now it's really this. starting to die. We had a hundred degrees here yesterday. Uh-huh. We are into another heat wave here, so. What should we be doing? How do we save our grass, our lawn, our trees? The, the most important thing is don't overreact. Because during that drought of 2016, that heat wave, I went to landscapes that people were overwatering. And they weren't killing the plants from not from drought. They were killing them from applying too much water. Nice. And, and you're like, how can, how can that be so? Literally, the soil was just waterlogged. You were, you, I mean, it was just TLC. You loved it to death. And I go and I pull a big arborvita up out of the ground and it's sopping wet. I mean, saturated soil and hot summer temperatures do not mix. Saturated soil and wintertime temperatures, more more uh, more saving grace there. But when it's hot outside and the soil becomes saturated, there's less oxygen in that soil in that water, and you're you're looking at you know pretty quick death of a plant. 
and they were killing them from too much water. And then for now, an inch of water a week at one application should be sufficient. And I have more people look at me and go, well, how do I know when I put out an inch? Well, it's called you got to do a little bit of calibration. you got a little bit of investigating and to know how much am I putting out. So for an irrigation system, say we've got one and we got four or five zones, I just go get some, let's just say, tuna fish cans. We all know they're straight-sided cans, cat food cans. So we want straight-sided cans. We will go out and we'll put them under that zone. So say we got four or five zones. We go and we just, I don't care how you put them out, just randomly place them under that zone. Turn that thing on manually. Let it run for 30 minutes. Shut it off. Go back and measure those cans and see how much water do I have in those cans. Average it all up. Get an average. You know, hey, in 30 minutes, maybe I put out a half inch. Maybe I put out a quarter. Maybe I put out three quarter. At least now we know a time to application ratio of, hey, it took me, it'll take me two hours to put out an inch of water. So you set the thing to run for two hours. And you have to calibrate each zone because every one of them's different, could have different heads, number of heads on that zone, pipe size, pressure, it all correlates. If I'm a guy out there who has not invested in, in an in-ground water system, and I got my hose and same, I open my hose up. Same principle. So I just stand there for 30 minutes and spray it? So if you, now if you're going to stand there with your water hose, I mean, you, you know, you, you're in trouble. <laughs> you, you, you're going to have to spray yourself some as well. Bring a lawn. But it, say you have one of those that just kind of fans back and forth. Yeah. Or you got one to that, that type of irrigation. Put the cans out. Turn it on. Turn on your watch and go, okay, this is when I started it. Stop it at a certain amount of time. Go back out and measure and see how much you got. Now, if you're holding a water hose at it, we got to determine how much water do I put out in a certain amount of time. So we get a five-gallon bucket. We turn it on and we hold it and we go, how long did it take to put out that five gallons of water? Now, an inch of water on an acre is 27,200 gallons. Folks, he did that, by the way, without a calculator. So So that's 27,200 gallons of water on an acre if it's one inch deep. Well, now we can break that into thousand square feet 100 square feet 10 square feet so on a square foot basis that's about 0.65 gallons of a water to get one inch it's a lot of water it's a lot of water you but think it's also of, very scientific and that's why you can see how people so now you can say oh well i need an inch of water on this tree and i'm watering this tree area and let's say this tree area is a thousand square feet around this tree out to the drip line and i want to put an inch of water on it's a thousand square feet that's 650 gallons of water. Now, how do I put that out there? Well, we know how much, if we're holding it with a water, a handheld hose, we know what we're putting out. It doesn't matter what you're putting it out with, we can calibrate it. If we're putting out with a soaker hose, well, take the soaker hose, put it in a garbage can, turn that thing on, run it for 15 minutes, pull the soaker hose out, pour the water up and go, how many gallons did I just put out in that amount of time with a soaker hose? Anything that's putting water out, we can calibrate it. That's why there's water meters. Not good point. They, they know how much water you're putting out. Now, whether you know, that's your that's that's, that's you to do you, the math on. And it's it's very simple math. It's not some of that new math. It's it's old math. You don't need the you don't need the iPhone calculator to do it. No, you can do you it can, on like that. You can do it on scratch paper. Well, that's, maybe that, that is the old fashioned way. And the most important thing though, once a week. Once a week. And people think I got a water one inch whatever. per application once a week will get you by. Now, if I if I'm a farmer and I'm I've got corn in the field. And my corn has got tassels and it's got silks on it. I'm trying to fill that cob one inch, nowhere near enough. We're talking two and a half to three. So if you've per noticed, week. if you're per week 
or you know you need it per week and actually in an application so you know they're trying to get out there when they run that pivot around they're wanting about an inch every time they go around okay. now there's pivot systems that take over a full day to completely make a round of field they may be covering three four five hundred acres Ooh. if you look at these things you'll see them running right now and there's a reason is that the corn is silt it's trying to fill soybeans some of them are blooming they're getting ready to start filling a pod and that's critical times for water and these irrigation systems are running and you know i, I looked at the rainfall while i was gone and the experiment station that's out off you Bells didn't Ferry look Road. Lot, did you wasn't, on, wasn't well, much count you know, the crazy thing is the experiment station out off bells ferry road this this is wild now on um on july the 5th 1.37 inches we got more hit and miss rain than I've ever seen in my life. It's been those little I mean, weird little is, storms. It is yeah. just weird little storms. It's hit and miss here and there. 1.37 inches at the experiment station on Bells Ferry Road. All right, my lawn, I mowed it. The, well, Junior there mowed it the Friday before we left on vacation on Monday. You would have thought by Monday, yesterday, it would have probably been well past the point of needing mowing. It, it doesn't look like it hardly even grew. That's amazing. Because the lack because, of water. because of lack of water. Talked to my neighbor. Said, "Man, we didn't we didn't get anything. Maybe a drop or two here and there, other than a bunch of thunder and lightning." He said, "That's all we saw. No no real no real substantial rainfall at all. So it's really hit and miss. So it's hard to say. You know, hey, how much rain have we had here? How much rain have we had there? But I can tell you, across the majority of the county, and speaking to a couple of uh, farmers yesterday, being you know row crop farmers or folks that are growing hay for a living, they're hurting." It's we're, we're we're to that point. It is really hot, and it's really dry, and people forget about you know we get this rainfall, but we also have this called ET, you know, the extraterrestrial, or evapotranspiration, whichever one we want to use. So that evapotranspiration is how much water is evaporating from the soil every day. Okay. Yesterday, point two one of an inch, point two one, almost a quarter inch of water was evaporated out of the soil yesterday. Now, you go compare that to the rainfall and how quick you can get behind. Very oh, fast. Wow. Yeah, good point. It's, it's, it's wild. You made a point about that, talking about the experimental station and about the numbers, about the rainfall total there. By the way, that same location, you know, one of the inside secrets to hometown headlines is, you know, we, I am a weather freak. Oh, yes, I know. But what I do, I, I love that site for that very thing. It'll tell you all kind of stuff. I mean, the, the, I mean, the numbers you get from that site every day on, you know, on temperatures, rainfall, uh, not wet ball, but what you just call it there, evaporation. Yeah, so I, I've, got, I've got maximum temp, minimum temp, relative humidity, 2-inch soil temperatures, 4-inch soil temperatures, 8-inch soil temperatures, wind speed, total radiation, which I'm not real sure about that one, rainfall, and ET evapotranspiration. So for me, this time of the year, evapotranspiration and rainfall is important. And looking at the maximum temps, because I'll get people calling about, hey, man, my tomatoes, they're, they're not doing anything anymore. I'm like, it's because it's too doggone hot during the day and too hot at night and that's my next question for you when you know those of us especially now i mean more residential than farmers or whatever but we want to include them too because i like all the corn they produce what's the best time to water first thing in the morning or right right at dark time we okay. want we want to keep as the least amount of evaporation going on as possible and i tell folks direct the water at the base of the plant that's your you know you don't need to water the foliage and everything water at the base of the plant Make sure you have some type of breaker on it that breaks that water up so you don't just pound it onto the soil surface. We want to let it kind of filtrate in. It's great to have a little mulch down like some straw, not, not hay, not pine straw, but straw, wheat straw, 
or something down there covering that soil no surface. Straw. That's interesting. Yeah, I just you know pine straw. You know you need something a little bit thicker. Okay. Uh, but if you put the mulch down, make sure you back it off the base of your little plants. They don't they don't need to be all moist and everything at the right at the base. We want the soil to be able to hold the water as long as possible. We also don't want the soil splashing up onto the foliage or onto our fruits and vegetables because that brings disease issues with it. But the main thing is the mulch helps keep the soil moisture there. Good. And for a vegetable garden, when it's they're producing, you got to water it every day, every single day, unless you've got some really weird soil that holds a tremendous amount of water, and that can happen in in containers or in raised beds. But you got to check that vegetable garden every day for water needs. Wow. It's a lot. I, mean, I can see why you calibrate all this stuff as well. Um, I know during water shortages or we're on, you know, water rationing around here, we always use that same formula. We can water up until 10 o'clock in right. the morning, and then you don't do it again until midnight or something. I think like it that. was, what was it, from like 9 until, oh, shoot, I don't know, 9 o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night till a certain amount of time in the morning, and then you didn't water from like 10 o'clock till 5 o'clock. Yep. That's some of the most evaporative times of the day. Why put it out and have it evaporate? No, good point. And, you know, when we get into those water shortages, one of my pet peeves is to talk about folks that got their irrigation system running in the rain. Like, all right, <laughs> it's raining. Why is that thing running? That's because you have it on that uh, that system that's timed. I call it the Ronco rotisserie chicken thing, you know, set it yep. and forget it. Well, that may be good for cooking food, but you, you can't do this when you're, when you're watering. You don't set it and forget it because what if it rains? No, good point. You're more in favor of, not to say manual, but yeah, I guess manual. Go out and kick it off. Yeah. I mean, go out there and, and you know, turn the thing off, or or better yet, install a sensor. Well, there, there are sensors that can be installed, and they've got they've become they've come a long ways. Those sensors have. Well, final question on this before our break here, and this is serious. I mean, nowadays our houses are run by Alexas and everything else. Ooh, you're not kidding. Can you tie one of those into the? Uh, I bet you you can. I bet if somebody will go out there and, and, and look and just search the uh, wide, wide, wide world of web, you will find some type of sensor, and I'm sure you can, that will hook to your irrigation system that you can control from your phone. Because, see, right now I could turn the air off at the house and really make my wife mad. Oh, I, yeah. Well, I mean, well, all I got to do is pick the phone up and go whoop and hey, you'll be, hey, you'll hey be Nest, you'll Nest, be do this, Nest, do this for me. Yeah, yeah. So yes, you can, you can do that. And you that's even Saint Augustine tonight, my friend. You know, when I before we left Saint Augustine, I turned the air back down to seventy-two. We'd had it set on like eighty. I turned it down. When we got home, our house was cool. Smart I, man. I'm glad I did it because man, Mama would have been hot. Yeah. There Mad. we go. This not only tips about how to keep your lawns and your flowers and your things, also some marriage advice there right. as well. Good idea, Nat. Keith Michaels here. We're talking about things you need to know about the summer heat and about summer crops and all kind of good stuff. We'll do more of that after this break. This is the Hometown Headlines Podcast Edition. I'm Ryan Simmons, Creative Director at Brand Red. We're honored to sponsor today's episode. If you're looking to grow your business, we help companies just like yours reach new customers. Contact us by visiting our website at brandredstudios.com or emailing us at info at brandredstudios.com. And welcome back to Hometown Headlines Podcast. John Ruckermiller with you. Thanking you for joining us today. 
As always, Todd is here making sure, keeping us straight, running these things at Brand Red Studios in downtown Rome. Our guest again, long commute from his office, by the way. Oh, yes, uh, a whopping maybe maybe a half a mile from the University of Georgia Floyd County Extension office. And that is the home of Keith Michler, by the way. Welcome back, Mr. Michler. It's great to be here as always. It's nice to have you so local as well. Uh, Just real quick, we'll come back. We're talking a little bit about rainfall, taking care of plants and everything else out there. People, you know, you're, you're hearing this question. I'm hearing this question too. Wait a minute. We had gallons of water over the winter. Oh yeah. Well, we've had uh, this year. This this year, we've had 33.17 inches. You know, I'm I'm a stats guy. You know, kind of like you and the weather folks. We're, we're these stats things. This time last, you know, last year in 2018, we had 29.57. So we've had more rain. But how are we in a drought right now? All depends on when that rain shows up and how much of it. And that came you think in the about it. Months, it yeah. came during the winter months. And it shut off right about the time everybody started planting is when it started shutting off. Isn't it amazing? And so that's how quickly we can get into a drought. Hey, we we could have had 100 inches already, but with no rainfall in so many days and the evapotranspiration that we talked about earlier going up, doesn't take long that we find ourselves in a deficit really quickly. That's amazing because we were in an El Nino pattern there for a while and just really popping out the rain here. Well, we had had minor flooding going on. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, you remember back in June, let's see, June the 8th, we had set the whopping 76 degrees. We're going, oh, is the earth coming to an end? We had 77 degrees on June the 12th, and we had 79 degrees on June the 13th. Unfortunately, folks, that's the last time we saw the 70s anywhere near. And I'm talking about high temperatures. Get me out of the 90s. That's what I want you to do. We were were 100 uh, yesterday. Well, now, it says says July the 7th, 89.3, if that makes you feel better. I mean, okay. 89.3, but the day before was 97.1. And July the 4th, 95.9, let's just say 96. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been extremely hot. It's been brutal. And what I've seen in the forecast, and we recorded this a little bit earlier, uh, what I've seen from the forecast, there's no relief for a week. Unless, now you've watched this, will we see yep. anything out of this tropical depression that may or may not be forming in the Gulf that they're all worried about right now in all the weather places. The key was may or may not be forming. Exactly. And then, you know, once it gets to land, we never know which direction it's going to go. Will it will it come here? I mean, you never you never want a storm per se to come in and do a lot of damage, but we sure could use some uh, some tropical the beneficial rain. Beneficial rain from a tropical depression. And I say beneficial because you know what'll happen real quick if it stops over here and it dumps five, six inches at one time. You know what happens real quickly. We get into flash flooding, and we have a whole exactly. other set of issues. Well, we do on. have we do have a uh, a staff correspondent on duty at uh, Pensacola Beach this week. Mr. Jay Shell's down there. So That's a horrible place up. to be on staff, we'll, staff we'll, duty. We'll get. You know, by the way, he was down there last year. I think one of the storms was coming in there, so I'm making sure and keeping in touch with Jay to make sure if uh, any weather down there may come our direction there it as could. well. Weather's always good, but let's go from weather and rain to varmints. Varmints. I've already had varmint calls this week. The uh, the proverbial it's little, not even football season. Oh yet. no, the proverbial little chipmunk. Now the chipmunk is nice and cute and cuddly looking until the chipmunk is chewing up your plants or uh, boring holes in all of your flower beds and hauling your flower bulbs off to do whatever they want to, uh, knocking over your plants, chewing your tomatoes off, running off of them. The squirrel and that's that's two critters that are. You know, they're out in the daytime. They're not out at night. So they're out there during the day right in front of you, doing it right in front of you. I mean, come on, folks. They're, they're just like going, hey, what are you going to do to me? 
<laughs> you got to do something. You got to figure out. You you got to outsmart them. And sometimes outsmarting wildlife can be very very difficult. Just just you know, ask one of the DNR guys or, or Ben Winkleman over at the Eco Center. Wildlife's pretty doggone smart, and they adapt. They adapt a lot quicker than we do. And because we'll do things over and over again and go, that's not working. No kidding. Ben's probably taking a little chipmunks, bringing them into one of those rat snakes in there or something like that. And taking I would them. not surprise me at all. Ben's going to call me up on that one. Anyway. Yes, you're in tr- you've, you've started something. We've He's started a good man, folks. He's a great guy, as and a matter of fact. The chipmunks have just, I've had people almost in tears, and I'm like, well, I want to use the have the heart trap. I'm like, that's the problem, folks. You can't have a heart. You have to be heartless in this situation because. You take the chipmunk, you trap them. So, well, I took them, I trapped them, and I went and released them. I said, so you made them somebody else's problem. Well, no, I mean, I went and released them in the woods. I said, oh, so you set them up to be snatched up by an owl or a hawk or something and just ripped their little eyeballs out while they're (laughs) alive. And I'm going, and I saw, I make them feel real bad. Then I go, you know, it's better yet to have used a big snap-type trap to have gotten rid of the situation, boom, right then. And you have to know how to set those, and we can discuss that if you call me. I don't want to get too graphic on here. Tell me uh, that you're never going to have a career in hospice care, okay? Probably not. Good. Probably okay, not. Okay, good. Uh, Just want to be sure about I mean, that. I mean, and I, you know, I had spoke with uh, spoke with Charles Meeks uh, earlier this week, and he's like, man, I said, Mr. Meeks, I said, you're supposed to have problems with your muscadine grapes. He said, well, Keith, you know, he said, uh, I did, man. The raccoons were just beating them up, but I beat the raccoons. I said, so you finally beat them back. He said, yeah, I got the raccoons beat back. He said, but now I got a groundhog. A groundhog? He said, I got a groundhog, and a groundhog is wearing me out. And I was like, you know what to do? He said, I know what to do, Keith. He said, I'm I'm, I'm building building it up, and I'm getting ready to take care of the groundhog. How will he do that? Oh, okay. we're going we're to get rid of the groundhog, and they these you know also these animals can do damage by creating holes in landscapes. People can fall in them. Animals can break you know break a leg out in the pasture. Horse step in one or a cattle step in one, break a leg. Uh, that that kind of stuff can happen. They will they can also eat you out of house and home. They'll also eat wiring up. You know these critters will eat your wiring up under your house, in your eaves, all kind of crazy stuff. So they they're more adapted than we are. We just got outsmart them, and the sad thing is, is we encroached on them. They didn't encroach on us. You think about it. This segment, by the way, brought to you by the folks at PETA. So anyway, <laughs> you're you're such a caring man. But no, I know these are yard pests and all. Me, yep. I love to see the chipmunks running around. I mean, they're cute. Love as to can see be. the squirrels. We had we've had a uh, a deer kind of nesting between my house and my neighbor's house, Duke's house here, where my dog was out in the morning, you know, with me to go get the paper. Uh-huh. And I mean, you know, she sees that deer, and you know, little fat Stella. I mean, she chases it for about <laughs> ten feet exactly. You know, as far as she can go, the deer keeps coming back. Uh huh. I would think every morning, you know, get the picture. You know, and we don't. You know, we're it's kind of cool. We don't have much vegetation to eat. Some maybe. Well, but uh, I had I had deer patrol at my house until deer patrol reached a point in life that she she had to go. She had you know she had to be euthanized. I mean, that's a sad day when you had to euthanize your animal. Yeah, that's tough. And my neighbor next door had, had a blue healer uh, named Sweetie. Sweetie was 16, 17, maybe even 18 years old. She was on up there in age. And, you know, to, you get to a point going, okay, you know, it's, it's like time. Uh-huh. But Sweetie kept the deer out of my backyard. Well, so I'm out in Seattle back in, in May, and my wife sends me a picture. She says, hey, look what's in the backyard. And there's a deer eating the blueberries off of my blueberry plant. Nice. And I'm going, that never happened until Sweetie Sweetie went to doggy heaven. I'm like, doggone it, when is my neighbor going to get another dog that stays outside and guards against deer? 
that kept that deer out those deer out of my garden i believe it because now they're eating up the deal and they're eating up the tomatoes and they're even eating the peppers well there's the next question is how do we in addition to maybe shall we say more non-peta approved methods how is there other ways to keep so for, so for deer, stuff. for deer, there's been research done by with a fertilizer called milorganite. Now, milorganite is a sewage sludge. It's a heat-treated product. It comes from Milwaukee. It's been out for years, folks, so don't go, ooh, sewage sludge. Oh, it's got all kind of bacteria and viruses. No, it's been heat-treated. Metals have been removed. It's a process. It's been it's been a product out for years, and it, it is sewage sludge. It's been treated. And so it has, it doesn't have like this odor, like you open up, smells like a septic tank. We don't, we're not talking about that, but it will have a human type associated odor with it. And that can be put out around areas you're trying to protect. It's a fertilizer for lawns. You can put it out on your lawn. You can put it out around your vegetable garden and it will create a smell that will keep the deer and stuff out of it to a point. It's a repellent. After some rainfall or after you're watering, after a while, that smell goes away. It's time to reapply. There's been there's been a loads of research done, and you can look online for animal repellents, and there are loads of them out there. Some of them you spray on the plant. Well, the ones you spray on the plant usually are not associated with spraying on your vegetables or your fruit. They're only for ornamentals, non-edible type stuff. So be careful with what you buy. If you're buying something to spray, be careful what you spray it on, and be careful it doesn't burn the plant up. Some of them can can burn. No, good good point uh, about that. They either create a taste issue. It's either a taste issue like a bad taste or it's a smell issue outside of that we start talking about fencing and then we start getting into real money and people have used fishing line because they get tangled up in it and spooks them they'll tear it all down if you don't put it back up they come back some people use water water devices that have motion sensors on them that that squirt when they come oh, up that's cool. so yeah. you just set a motion sensor up that turn you know it turns on it lets the valve open and start squirting everything that comes around it That'll work as well. They don't like to be squirted in the face in the middle of the night. You wouldn't either. Uh, that that one works. But once again, it involves adapting and outsmarting the wildlife, which can be difficult. Well, it best. gets expensive as well. I mean, how, much, gets does somebody's, how much does some of these things cost? I'm a- so now you go out to the UGA experiment station, and we have a nine-foot-high fence around the research crops. Okay. All right. Now, if you forget and leave the gate open Ooh. and a deer gets in, they're not the smartest critter in the world to get back out through that opening. So you have to run that joker forever to get it back out. But a nine-foot-high fence, uh, electric fences with little, you know, little charge, you know, have a little wire on them that will, will shock them. They get tangled up in that. I mean, you're talking at the very least to set up a little electric fence around your little home vegetable garden, a couple hundred dollars. Okay. I mean, you start getting too elaborate, and it's going, man, how many? I could have gone to the farmer's market. And I always yeah. advise folks, hey, listen, I said, you're going to grow vegetables. Don't ever... If you're doing a home vegetable garden, don't ever put the pen to the paper versus what you can buy it at a farmer's market or grocery store, or you'll convince yourself you no longer need to garden. Bad bad news for some folks if they love the garden. Hey, but if you love the garden, a lot of it is satisfaction. I know people call me like, hey, man, I got the first tomato. You want to see it? I said, sure, show it to me. And, I mean, the first tomato, how big a tomato, you know, all that great kind of stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, speaking of that, we'll close out with this. All right. Uh, farmers markets in particular. Uh, we are in that season as yes, well. We I mean, uh, they're wide open. What should we look forward to coming in next? And I've been to a couple of them around town already. I mean, last, you know, okra should be coming in pretty heavy now. Uh, your corn, and what will happen is people will stagger plant stuff too. So you have corn all season long. 
uh, tomatoes. Uh, we'll start shutting those things down too as tomato it starts getting really hot. But look for your cucumbers. You know that's in beans are in corn, uh, okra, that kind of stuff. It's all it's all here. That's all good stuff. Mr. Michael, as always, people want to reach you with more advice. They want to show you their prized tomato. They want to show you maybe some of the varmints they chased away. How do they reach you? Well, they can reach me and email me, and it's just my last name, Michler, M-I-C-K-L-E-R, at U-G-A dot E-D-U. If you like to use the old telephone, 706-295-6210. Outstanding. Or if you just want to show up at the office, 12 East 4th Avenue, Suite 107, County Admin Building. Yellow Brick Courthouse. Yellow Brick Courthouse, right across from the First Adventist Church. The parking lot and up behind Jefferson's. All right. Right near the district attorney's office, too, right? Uh, No. No, that's public defender. Oh, okay. It's public defender in Who's the bottom. Upstairs? Uh, upstairs, very, very upstairs, is the uh, IT folks. And then you have the county admin. Then on the next floor is extension and building maintenance and uh, purchasing and uh, engineering and I down below. I thought the DA was near you for a reason. Nope. No, I don't, I'm not sure where uh, okay. where, where she's located at. That may be a good thing. I mean, That's that a good thing. Another thing. Mr. Michael, thank you, sir, it's as always. always we appreciate it. Thank you for letting us be on here today. You bet, Todd. Thank you for engineering. As always, does a great job. Again, Brand Red Studios, where we're recording this this morning. We'll be back with more coming up this week. I want to thank you for your time today. This is the Hometown Headlines Podcast Edition.